Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and I am back for another show, a show in which we'll be focusing on the recent interview given by Arsenal's former head of football, Raul Sanley. This should be interesting. Uh, just a quick apology uh, to those of you that have been waiting really, really patiently for this live stream to begin. Um, my internet only ever fails when I'm about to go live. It's, it's like some unwritten rule. Um, I, I was about to hit the live button. I got a message to say uh, that the connection uh, had, had dipped significantly, uh, that the signal wasn't very strong. And so I thought, oh, I better check it. Went to the router. Wasn't very good. Um, restarted it. And then it just took an age to come back on. I had to restart it two, three times. And I can still see now that the connection is not 100% as strong as it normally is and is as, as it should be. It's got to be a problem at their end because it's a hardwired uh, connection. So I do apologize in advance for that. Hopefully it sorts itself out as the show goes on. But let's dive in then to this Raul Sanley interview. Um, I always love the fact that these these in, uh, these interviews get kind of like saved for the international break. Um, you know, people sort of go out there, they do the groundwork and, and it's brilliant work from Dermot Corrigan of The uh, Athletic to get this kind of interview. And then, of course, they wait till the international break. Not much in terms of content around, not much in terms of discussion points. And then bang, they drop it like it's hot. And this is a pretty good interview. Now, I've skim read through it. Um, and I've read a lot of the quotes on social media. But what I wanted to do was avoid reading it throughout the day in detail so that we could react to it together live. And and so that my reaction would be raw and not one that is, you know, I don't know, well thought of. Like, I, I kind of, I hope I come across that way. But the idea is to to react to it sort of as and when, because I think this is a really interesting interview. And I based on some of the sort of little segments I've read of it, um, you know, it's there are bits in there that are going to probably irritate me uh, and get under my skin. So I wanted you guys to get the raw reaction uh, to that. Let's say a few hellos in the chat. Hello to Zebic, to Billy Boy, uh, to Steve. Hope you are well. Uh, to An Arse Life, to Glenn, to Riddy, to Fatality, uh, to Angry Guna, to Essential Departure, Hantumi, uh, Cream Bone. Uh, we've got Mark in there as well. GB, uh, Robert uh, joins us. Moss is with us. Uh, Cream Bone says, uh, tell the truth, Harry, you're piggybacking off of your neighbor's Wi-Fi. Maybe if I did that, uh, the connection would be better. I don't know. I don't know. Really frustrating, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, OK, look, let's dive in to this Raul San Leahy interview. He says, I loved it at Arsenal. 
You cannot imagine the people in the club and the history of the club. I really felt I was at the top of the world there. I love the owners, the Cronkies, but the last 10 months there were horrible. I had to lay off 55 people without knowing I was going to be the 56th. Really interesting because Raul Sanlehi there essentially seems to be kind of suggesting, claiming, whatever you want to call it, that he had no idea that this was coming, that he had no idea that his position was in jeopardy, that he expected his role was safe. And obviously that wasn't the case. He says, he goes on to say, I don't feel betrayed by the Cronkies. The Cronkies had the LA Rams, the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Rapids, and all of a sudden all those teams could not play due to lockdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic. But you still had to pay the salaries. You did not have guaranteed broadcasting revenues. They entered into panic, but a logical panic as the world entered into panic. Without COVID, I am sure I would still be there as my relationship with the Cronkies was great. I'm not sure I'd buy that part. I'm not sure that Raul Sanlehi would have still been at Arsenal Football Club had it not been for the pandemic. Now, obviously, he was on a huge amount of money. You probably could have saved most of those 55 people's jobs that were, were laid off, you know, also if you just got rid of Raul Sanlehi. And actually, when you look at some of the footballing decisions that were made during his time at the club, some of them were shambolic. Some of them were so bad. You know, a lot of people say that he was a major player in the Nicolas Pepe deal, £72 million. I like Nicolas Pepe, right? And I think he's got something to offer. And I feel sad that it hasn't really worked out for him at Arsenal. And I wish him all the best in his loan spell. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger waste of money, not just in terms of the fee, but in terms of the fee relative to what the player is actually giving us. £72 million was a crazy, crazy amount of money to pay for that player. It's It's gone horribly wrong. There were other ones as well along the way. It feels to me like Raul Sanley is trying to, to make out that this came out of nowhere, that this was a bolt out of the blue, that his departure was totally unfair and, in his eyes, it was an incorrect decision taken by the Cronkies. He's trying to suggest that the decision to move him on was nothing to do with football, nothing to do with the results, nothing to do with the decisions he was making, but it was solely down to the pandemic. And I don't buy that. I'm sorry. You know, he is currently working at Real Zaragoza in Spain in the second division, where he joined as the director general, I think is the title, uh, last June. But it's it's not it's not Arsenal. It's not Premier League. It's not elite level. Um, he goes on to say, it's funny now, but I remember in December 2019, I had dinner with the four guys. Arsenal's then newly appointed head coach, Mikel Arteta, technical director, Edu, head of football operations, Husfami, and academy manager, Per Mertesacker. And on the toast, I said, now it is on us. Now it is exactly the model I asked for. If it does not work, we have no excuses. That team for me was the dream team at the time. Then in March, everything just fell apart. It was sad. Raul Sanlehi claims that that was his dream team. Having a head coach, not a manager, a head coach. Having Edu, uh, who was operating as head of football operations. And then Husfami, 
uh, of course, I beg your pardon, Hughes Farmy was head of football operations. Eddie was the technical director. What he's suggesting is that there needed to be, or in his eyes, there should have been a hierarchy that comprised of all of those people and that decisions would be made as a group by those people, as opposed to going back to the Wenger model, if you want to call it that, whereby there's one manager and the manager has the final say over all footballing decisions. That's what he's kind of suggesting Arsenal needed to move away from. And he talks about that a little bit later on in the interview. He says that this dream team of Arteta, Edu, Fami and Mertesacker fit the circular club management model that he'd learned during his time at Barcelona. He says within the model, there are four points, head coach, sporting director, football operations and academy. And he says they need to be very well coordinated. He goes on to say Arsenal had decided to move on from Arsene Wenger, one boss who did everything. He said it was, sorry, I'm just getting a little bit like, this is kind of following on, right, from what I was saying before. What he's saying is that he disagreed with the way Arsenal Football Club was run before and that when he came in, he was looking to implement this model, this circular model, as it's called, as it's referred to in the piece. And he takes a bit of a jab at Arsene Wenger in saying that he was one boss who did everything. Now, yeah, that was true to a degree, but Arsene Wenger, let's be fair, didn't get to decide everything. Arsene Wenger didn't want to sell his best players. Arsene Wenger didn't want to have to skimp in the transfer market. Arsene Wenger didn't want to do those things. Those were restrictions that were imposed on him by the football club. So to say that Arsene Wenger did a lot is accurate, but to say he did everything or decided everything, I think is way off the mark. Now, some people will disagree with that. There are people out there who have this view that Arsene Wenger was in charge of every single aspect of Arsenal Football Club. It weren't his money. Now, I know he didn't want to be frivolous with money. I know he cared deeply for the finances of the club. I know that he would have preferred not to spend crazy money if he could avoid it. But you certainly got the sense that at various points in his Arsenal tenure, Arsene Wenger was left incredibly frustrated by the decisions being taken by the people upstairs, the people who own the club. He makes reference to Unai Emery's uh, first season. It was Sam Leahy who identified Emery. And when Ivan Gazidis left the club to join AC Milan, Raul San Leahy was in a position to have a big say on who was appointed. Of course, in Emery's first season, Arsenal missed out narrowly on the Champions League. We finished a point off of fourth, uh, but we also lost the Europa League final to Chelsea that year. And San Leahy suggests that it was difficult for Arsenal to get results on the pitch while they were going through this structural reform behind the scenes. He says, it was crucial for Arsenal to make the Champions League. We had a good coach in Unai, but losing, to the, losing the final to Chelsea made us stay in the Europa League, which made the second year hell for Unai. It had been the one-boss model. All respect to Arsene, because what he did for Arsenal is unique. And probably at that time, it was the best way to do it. But you had to develop, and that is exactly what happened. Now, he says the sporting director setup was very new in England. I had to explain that. 
His highest priority is the first team, but he also needs to be in contact with the academy and to know the transfer market. When things don't go well, you change the head coach. But the technical director is the one who protects the sporting philosophy of the club and safeguards the model. Do you trust Raul Sanlehi to safeguard the model of Arsenal Football Club? Because based on what I've seen from Raul Sanlehi during his time at Arsenal, based on what I've read about his time at Barcelona, this is more of a businessman than anything else. And people will say that the one manager model that he keeps referring to is wrong, that it's dangerous to give too much power to one person. But I'll tell you this, for all the mistakes he made and for all the criticism that has come his way subsequently off the back of that, I trust Arsene Wenger to take care of football matters more than I'll trust a guy who pretends to be protecting the philosophy of a football club, but is really sitting in a suit in the background and is more concerned about lining his pockets. Lining his pockets with transfers such as the one that saw Nicolas Pepe come to the club. You know, Unai Emery was the wrong appointment. He was, okay? Time has told us that. I appreciate that the model was not what it is now. I appreciate that Unai Emery had a lot more restrictions that he needed to work under than Mikel Arteta. That's because the club have decided to back Mikel Arteta. But the club have recognised and realised that they need a football man to head this up. They need football people to be taking these decisions. Edu and Mikel Arteta, they fall into that category. They don't have a history of being businessmen. They don't have a history of, of any of that. They're not interested necessarily in the finances of the club. They are looking to take this team forward on the pitch. That is what they're after. Yeah, of course, they get paid healthy salaries. And of course, they have to work within the parameters set by KSE. But they are football people first and foremost. And that is why I think Arsenal have diverted their approach. I think they looked at what happened with Raul Sanley. And instead of having this circular management team or circular leadership group, which whatever way he put it to try and sell it to them, actually what they had was four people that weren't really on the same page, that weren't really singing from the same hymn sheet. And we all saw what that led to. Some of the worst Arsenal performances I can remember seeing in my entire lifetime. Some of the worst transfer decisions I can remember in my lifetime. Um, what else have we got in this? Um, even after Emery was sacked that November, Arsenal finished the Premier League in eighth position under head coach Mikel Arteta. But Sanley still believed the structure put in place with him at the centre was moving the club towards success. He says, I'm in the middle, like the director of the orchestra. Here are the drums, the cymbals, the violins and the trumpets. They're very good. But if you do not coordinate them, they might sound awful. At Arsenal, as head of football, I put Hus, Edu, Mikel and Per, the perfect cross. He's trying to say that he laid the foundations for what we have today. He's trying to say that he did everything right, that he got everything 100% spot on. But the problem with that is there's clear evidence that suggests he didn't. Because Arsenal's upturn has come off the back of him leaving. It's come off the back of Husfami leaving. I think we're much... Uh, I don't know what the word... I, I don't even have an issue with Husfami, by the way, because I don't really understand deeply what his role was to be able to say, like, 
he got this wrong, he got that wrong. I kind of have an overview of what it was, but I don't think he was ever in the public light enough. I don't think we ever really knew enough about what he did to be able to sort of to say one way or the other he was a success or a failure. But what I will say is, is that it's very clear that since Arsenal changed direction, abandoned the circular management model and went for the old manager model, we've been a better side for it. Why? I go back to what I said before, because we've got football people making football decisions. He says, I do not agree when clubs call the first team coach the manager. First team coach is the first team coach. That is enough. Nowadays, the workload is overwhelming and I need him to concentrate on the first team. Okay, it's a fair point. It's a fair point that the workload can get too much. And if you spread yourself across too much, ultimately, you're not going to do everything to the best of your ability. I think there's validity in that argument and in that point. But if you have a first team coach who is not immersed in the various other elements of the club, who doesn't understand what's going on in the academy, who doesn't understand what is, you know, what is going on in other departments, there is no way that you can build that continuity within the club and you can take it forward in unison. Now, yeah, you're going to sit down, you're going to have your weekly meeting with Per Mertesacker. You're going to have your weekly meeting with Edu. You're going to sit down with Hus Fami. You're going to sit down with this person. You're going to sit down with that person. But ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a difference between being briefed on the things that people want you to know and actually being in it, being immersed in it, being the day-to-day, -day, being on the pitch, understanding what's happening and getting a real feel and a vibe for things. Mikel Arteta is a hands-on kind of coach. Not only does he stand in the dugout and, and orchestrate on a match day, but he is very much on the training ground, orchestrating training sessions as well. Of course, he has coaches, all modern managers do. But Mikel Arteta is someone who's very, very hands-on. He says, anything that distracts you from that, i.e. being the first team coach, is not your responsibility. Travel arrangements, the pitch, salary budget, medical department, we'll get other people to do that. The first team coach is short-term oriented, just win tonight's game. And that in itself, that little piece of his interview, I think sums up the problem. The first team coach can't be short-term orientated. The first team coach can't just look at tonight's game. Because if you want sustainable success in an environment that does not allow you to spend what City do, what United do, what Chelsea do, you know, consistently over a period of time, then you need to think about sustainability. And to think about sustainability means that you need to look at the longer term, the midterm. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill as well as just the short term. It doesn't make sense to me. What he's suggesting is that it's okay to, to go through loads of different head coaches. But if you're bringing in players that don't fit with what that coach wants to do, you can't expect them to come in overnight and, and make the world of difference. You compare that to like Chelsea, for example, right, who have done that. They've bought players in for a manager and within 12, 18 months, they've given that manager the sack. But they have the finance, and at least they did under Roman Abramovich and the resource, to go and correct that, to go and change that, to go and put that right for the new manager when he first comes in. Arsenal does not operate like that. Arsenal do not work like that. The decisions that Arsenal make need to be beneficial to both Mikel Arteta in terms of the way he wants to play the game, the way he wants to set up his team, but they also have to be beneficial to the club. The investments they make have to be beneficial to the football club as well as the head coach. There has to be communication there. They have to be singing from the same hymn sheet. There has to be an understanding that one impacts the other. That It doesn't matter what you spend on a player. If the next head coach comes in and doesn't think he's any good, then, he's, then it was a waste of money. And also you end up with situations like the one we found ourselves in where Unai Emery was desperately wanting to sign Wilfred Zaha and Arsenal decided to go out and sign Nicolas Pepe instead. That wasn't what Unai Emery wanted. And so as much as I don't think Unai Emery was the right man, and I've been very critical of him over the last couple of years, the guy didn't really stand much of a chance of succeeding at a football club where he was given zero control, zero influence, zero say on the decisions that really mattered. And there in itself is the problem with this circular management model. Let one person lead the way. Too many chefs spoil the broth. Too many cooks in the kitchen is not a good thing. You have a leader. You have someone whose philosophy you buy into. You try and put two people in those positions, i.e. Arteta and Edu, that have a lot of things in common when it comes to their philosophies and understanding of the game and the way they like the game and, and their ideologies. You need two people that agree with each other, that respect each other, that are going to challenge each other, but ultimately have the same goal. You can't have four people pulling in different directions. Raul Sanlei goes on to say that by giving Mikel Arteta the title of manager and shifting the balance, they have betrayed that model. He says, by going back to the manager at the top, that is a mistake. He categorically says it's a mistake, but that is their mistake. I would have not allowed that to happen, but that's fine. It's working so far for them. Yeah, it is working. A hell of a lot better than it was working when you were pushing your model and when you were calling the shots and you were shelling out £72 million on Nicolas Pepe. And various others as well. He wasn't a football man. 
Now, you can try and paint the picture of Raul Sanley as a football man, but ultimately, he's someone who had been at a club like Barcelona, an incredible football club, a huge football club, had seen something work, had based all of his views and opinions on that and felt that he could pick that up, bring it to Arsenal and just drop it on us. Culturally, football in England and in Spain are very different. Culturally, there were a lot of differences that I don't think he ever really understood. And I think he tried to push his theory. Ultimately, that's what he was hired for, right? To come in and to oversee all of that. And and so I'm not going to blame him for for that, you know, he was brought in to implement those techniques, those uh, principles, because ultimately they'd worked for him at Barcelona and they'd worked for Barcelona as a football club. But I think there was a realisation that actually that wasn't working, that there was a disconnect, that there wasn't enough... And with it being shared, that meant that there was a breakdown in communication a lot of the time. And obviously, big differences in the feeling around which direction the club should be taken. So ultimately, this was a shocking appointment. When you look back on it now, it didn't work out at all. I would have respected him a little bit more if he came out and said, look, I was brought in to implement one model. The club decided to go down a different path, down a different route. And ultimately, that's why my time at Arsenal came to an end. I love being there, which he says right at the top of the interview. Um, I had a great time there and I wish them all the best. Rather than trying to fire shots, rather than trying to protect his own stock by pretending that actually his dismissal, his exit was solely down to the pandemic. It wasn't. We weren't born yesterday, Raul. We all know that you made some really poor decisions during your time at Arsenal Football Club. And I'm glad he's gone. I'm sorry. I'm glad he's gone. I don't want to see people losing their jobs, but I'm glad he's gone. Because I think Raul Sanley was one of the big problems during that era. He was somebody who tried to overpower managers, who wanted to make sure that managers had as little power as possible. Um, and, and ultimately, he wanted to be one of the big dogs and one of the people that called the shots. And Unfortunately, this football club was on its absolute knees from a footballing perspective by the time he left it. And thankfully, KSE saw sense and handed over the reins to two people who are far more knowledgeable on the game of football itself, were players not too long ago themselves, understand the culture of both the Premier League, but also understand the continental elements that we need in order to thrive as a football club. And they are taking us in the right direction. So as far as I'm concerned, the decision to sack Raul Sanley, based on the progress we've seen in the last 18, 12 months, was totally vindicated. I'm glad he's gone. And I think I, I appreciate his point of view and I appreciate his ideology around how the model should work because it is based on ultimately success in the past. But it wasn't going to work here. I'm glad he's gone. I wish he'd stop talking about us. And now we can focus uh, on the big one coming up this week, the North London Derby, of course. Let's get some of you guys' thoughts uh, from the chat box as well uh, on this before uh, we wrap it up. Uh, what else have we got? Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, PG Venkat says it's the same Raul that wanted Pepe instead of Emery Zaha. Uh, GB says uh, KSE sensed something was off about the Pepe deal. And Edu and Vinay probably couldn't in good conscience reassure them otherwise. So they sent their lawyer hatchet man, Tim Lewis, to deal with Raul. That's absolutely true that there was concerns about some of the business decisions being taken under Raul's stewardship and uh, and leadership and guidance. And that's why Tim Lewis was sent and, and instated as, a I think, a non-executive member of the board. Correct me if I've got the wrong terminology there. And ultimately, he was gone. Um, Riddy says, uh, data-driven recruitment has yielded better results than contacts-based recruitment, which always sounds dodgy and unplanned. Again, that was a big thing with Raul Sanley. People often talked about his contact book, his little black book, and, and the way he would be able to sort of get us into negotiating positions that maybe we'd have struggled to get to before. But at the end of the day, you know, that you can't just rely on your contacts, right? You've got to do things that are right from a football perspective. Uh, Kenny says, I have a theory about employing former stars as sporting directors or managers, especially the sporting director, because his reputation is a stack among his peers. Uh, Social Join says, Raul wasn't a football man. That's why he got shipped out. He went Galactico instead of actual director. It was a bit like a uh, a Poundland Florentino Perez, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, Nevin says, hi, Harry. I like how Raul implies he laid the foundations. <laughs> he didn't mention Pepe, our record transfer that we now can't give away. We made some bad transfers under his watch. Edu and Arteta all the way. Uh, some of you asking, Harry, are you angry? A little bit. This uh, this is why I said to you, this is why I didn't want to read the full interview until I was live on here because I wanted you guys to get my raw reaction to it. And uh, yeah, there are elements to it that, that angered me because as you say, as you guys have been saying, he suggests that he has laid the foundations for what we have now. He suggests that Arsenal only got rid of him because of the pandemic. And we all know that that is nonsense. Uh, really says um, he's a con man, just like Saul Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff. Um, H.E. says it comes as no surprise, Harry. He was Josep Maria Bartomeu's second hand in Barcelona. And we all know how that ended. Yep, we do indeed. OK, um, I'm going to leave it there. Going to wrap up uh, for this edition of the show. Hope you enjoyed the breakdown of the interview. You can read the whole thing on the Athletics website uh, if you'd like to go back over it. But really appreciate you guys, A, jumping on to join me, uh, B, um, bearing with me during uh, the connectivity issues that I had uh, just before we went live. And um, and I just want to bring you guys up to speed with, um, with some exciting news. Now, I mentioned to you guys, uh, well, I've been saying it now for a few weeks, that we were getting ready to move our membership proposition over to another platform. And we are finally, finally up and running. Now, I am going to drop a full uh, channel update, uh, short episode tomorrow uh, to give you guys, that will be Tuesday, to give you guys the run through of it and talk to you guys about it in a little bit more detail. But in a nutshell, we're going to be producing even more content. Now, that doesn't mean the numbers here on the channel or on the podcast are going to drop. You're still going to get the same amount of free content, but we're going to add more to the party with our new membership proposition. Now, our new membership proposition is going to mean that you would be, if you do sign up, and again, it is not compulsory, but it means you would be supporting the Chronicles of Aguna, the podcast, 
the production, the better production, which as you guys will have seen, we've been in the studio a lot more lately. So you're going to be uh, supporting the podcast uh, to provide more content. The quality of the content will improve off the back of that. But also you're going to be supporting Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. Now, with the membership pot on a monthly basis, we are going to be making a donation from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. Now, the reason for that, as I've said to you guys before briefly, is because my daughter, when she was born, was under them. Um, there were some real concerns about her health. And, um, you know, that was a really, really difficult time for me and my wife and for our family. And I cannot put into words how good they were. And just being there as I was for, you know, the first month or two of her life, sort of up and down, back and forward, I really sort of came to appreciate what an amazing job they do and how difficult it is for the families that are having to visit there because of whatever reason. So what I want to do is I want to give something back to them. Um, I want to give something back to them so that, you know, I can do my bit. And, and as a podcast, you know, as a community, we can do our bit. So we have switched the, the, uh, the subscriptions over to a new platform, which I'm going to briefly show you guys now. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll explain if you're listening on audio. But there will be a full video, full podcast coming out tomorrow um, that will uh, that will explain it all in detail. Now, if you are a YouTube member, we are going to leave the YouTube memberships on until the end of October because I want to give people a chance to move over if you've already paid uh, for the month. So I don't want to leave you in the lurch, essentially. And I realize that it's not the most convenient thing having to switch it over. But, um, you know, I, I do want to do this because of a number of reasons. I think the new platform, I think you're going to enjoy it a lot more. I think it's much easier to use. And I, it allows me to give you what I should have been giving you for a long time in terms of members content. There are already three pieces of members content up there for you when you land there. So you can enjoy those and there'll be at least one a week, probably more though. So, you know, in the past we, we launched the membership model and I know myself that we haven't done enough around that. And for me, there's a big emphasis on doing this now because it gives me the opportunity to spend more time on the podcast. It gives me the opportunity to up the production value. It gives me the opportunity to pay guests um, to come on. It gives me the opportunity to use production support. It gives me the opportunity to do all of those things. But on top of that, it gives me the opportunity to make a regular donation to a charity that means the absolute world to me. So the new platform is called Another Slice. So if you head over to anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna, uh, the link is in the description. It will take you to this page here. Now, you need to do this on the website, not the app. You need to do this on the website. So anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna. You can subscribe to the channel for six pounds. Um, that is on a monthly basis. But as I say, you'll be getting at least five uh, probably six pieces of new content a month, as well as supporting the show and the charity. Uh, and you can see on there already, we've got some premium bits of content. So lots of you uh, are very fond of uh, Mike Stavrou. Uh, we recorded a really special show today uh, called Falling in Love with Arsenal and the Birth of the Podcast. So we talked a little bit about 
mine and Mike's Arsenal stories, uh, the birth of the podcast and uh, how it all came about. Uh, also, Jamal Fifield joined me um, to talk about what's changed the Arsenal Boreham Wood defender. A lot of you uh, showing Jamal a lot of love in the comments off the back of that episode. Well, there is a, another special episode uh, for our subscribers uh, on there. And of course, myself and Mike put together uh, an episode uh, called our Early Season Arsenal Awards. So you can find all of those on that platform now. Now, you subscribe for £6 a month and you get access to every bit of premium content that we do. Um, the Discord server stays as it is. Um, and, and as I say, there's going to be a lot more coming your way. Now, in order to subscribe, as I say, you need to head over to this website. Uh, at the top, you need to create an account and then you need to find the podcast, which you can find by visiting that, that link. And then you click subscribe for £6. You put your payment details in. And once that is done, you can either consume the content on the website or you can download the Another Slice app. Now, you can't sign up from the app, but you can log in from the app. Once you've created your account, if you log in, you'll be able to download all the episodes to be able to listen to them online, just like you can on all the other major podcast stores. So the membership has moved over now. Um, we're going to leave the YouTube stuff going for another month. You will find the three episodes that I've just shown you on YouTube. They're there already uh, for our members, so you're not missing out if you want to stay on YouTube for a little bit longer. But I encourage you to move over to this platform because it is much, much better. You're going to be getting a lot more value and we get to uh, support a charity as well. Uh, so thank you all so, so much. If anybody's got any issues, drop me an email, chroniclesafc at gmail.com. DM me on Twitter at Harry Simu. DM me at chronicles underscore AFC. And I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. If you just got any questions about it, don't hesitate to reach out. I, I recognize it's a difficult um it's a difficult time for a lot of people. So this is not compulsory, uh, but any support uh, from you guys is, of course, very, very much appreciated. A lot of love, a lot of effort has gone into the three pieces of content that are already there uh, that are exclusive, of course, to our members. And there is plenty more to come. Uh, so thank you all so, so much. I'm going to love you and leave you. Uh, let me know if you've got any problems uh, with another slice. Let me know if you've got any questions about the membership, about the pricing, about what it means, about what you get for it happy to answer any queries that you guys might have and i'll be back tomorrow with that full announcement video explaining how it all works and giving you guys a little bit more detail thank you all so much for your continued support i'll catch you all tomorrow until then goodbye i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon.